So <clears throat> I'm pretty sure everyone knows that Jim is on a little uh, break, and um, I was offered the opportunity to uh, share something, and I, I took it because I feel like God has done something in my life, in my family's life, um, recently that that I should share. Um, the um, the fact is we uh, we have discovered that there is great power in proclaiming God's word, and I intend to. I intend to persuade you and even show you how to do this. Um, I want to persuade you that it's a privilege, it's um, a personal responsibility, and it it opens up an aspect of spiritual warfare, if you will, that it makes you aggressive because you're really you're really able to engage um, in a way that <clears throat> that I wasn't able to do this until I really uh, started this this practice. And um, the text that I wanted to start with is Romans 10:8. If y'all want to go there, I want to spend a little bit of time on it. And um, once you found it. Um, <clears throat> We'll ask you to stand again and and let's pray. If you would please stand. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I, I do come before you and and just offer a praise and thanksgiving to you, Lord, for what you have um, shown us in your word and for the power of proclamation. Um I just pray, Lord God, that you would open our hearts and, and help us to hear what you have to say. And bless your word, Lord. If you would please stand, remain standing, I'm going to read this, um, <clears throat> this one passage. Um, and I'm starting with the quote, um, by the way, Paul's quoting out of um, Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Um, He's quoting out of Deuteronomy. Uh, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Y'all can be seated. So, in this wonderful modern world we live in, I have a free app. Well, I might have paid a buck for it. It was really cheap, whatever it was. It's a, a Bible app that has an interlinear Greek Bible. Um, you know, it's, it's there. So I'm not really a scholar. I'm just kind of a tinkerer, you know, curious. And basically, I wanted to break this up and, and point out some Greek words and the meaning of these Greek words because it really helps understand. It will help you to you know, not think I've got, you know, sprouted horns or something. You know, I'm really not making this up. It's really in the Bible. You know, it really is what we're supposed to be doing. So 
um, starting there at the, at the beginning, the word is near you. That word is, in Greek, is the word rhema. And um, the sort of the sense of that word in, in Greek is it's a word that's spoken by a living, living body. So it's not a written word. It's a spoken word. And, of course, that's consistent with the rest of the passage uh, where he's talking about uh, confessing. So the, the, the other word, it says uh, the word of faith that we proclaim. A lot of times proclaim gets translated um, preach. It's a, it's a word, keruso, it means to proclaim like a herald. Now, we, of course, don't have them nowadays. Back in the day, they didn't have... You know, YouTube and Twitter and stuff, they had people that would go from town to town. That was the, you know, medieval Twitter was the guy going, oh, yay, oh, yay. That was, you know, their their way of communicating things that were formal and authoritative. So if the king had some sort of decree that he wanted to get out, he would send the herald out and they would go town to town and proclaim it. And that's where that oh yeah oh yeah and we, you know in Tallahassee you might have been to the legislature and you hear the the, guy, the sergeant of arms say say these things you know this is this is where that came from so the word proclaim um, has this connotation uh, proclaim is something that heralds do and so we have this role that we can play when we proclaim the word of God we have this sort of um, authority that is above and beyond just um, anything else that's written or anything else that we might read. So um, the other word that I wanted to point out was where it says, um, if you confess with your mouth. Now, that is um, Greek homologeo is the, the Greek word. It means to say the same as. So when you confess, you're saying the same as somebody else or something else. So, um, and then the other word I wanted to bring out was, was the word save, and that word is generally sozo, which in this instance you could say delivered. I mean, if you read this, um, God raised him from the dead, you, w- you will be delivered. I mean, it's like saved is like um, the technical Christian word for being delivered. You know, it's like you were here, and you get picked up and you get taken over here and you're in a different place. So I want to show you this. Um, if um, you'll bear with me, I think it'll make a whole lot of sense. The power of God's word is, um, you know, this, you know the, the sort of the text that always come to mind when you're talking about the Bible or the word of God. You know, the word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. We all kind of grew up in, in hearing those things, but I want to point out something um, that I found helpful. Um, in Exodus chapter 4, um, the, you know, this is the, the, the context of this is where Moses sees the burning bush and um, he, he has, has to go investigate, so he, he goes over and then takes his shoes off and God pulls him into a conversation. And so Moses is kind of 
resisting um, the call, basically. He, he started out really self-assured and, you know, murdered the guy. And then 40 years later, he has got no self-assurance whatsoever. He's just there. And God's saying, you're going to do what you thought you were going to do. You are going to bring my people out of Egypt. And so Moses is like, in a way, kind of bargaining. You know, well, how am I going to do this? They're not going to believe me. So God says, what is that in your hand? In um, chapter 2, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. It's, I'm not really allegorizing this at all to, to point out that um, this is really emblematic of the power that we have when we take God's word in hand and declare it to a situation. Um, this is like, well, if you think about what ultimately happened with that common shepherd staff, it was just an ordinary staff. And, and Moses had been out, ten, you know, basically walking around, the, you know, tending his flock. And, you know, God says, what's in your hand? And he says that to us, you know, what's in your hand? And... Um, Moses, you know, wisely reacted in fear. I mean, he threw it down, turned into a snake, and he ran away. I mean, it's just logical. But then God says, grab it by the tail. Moses obeyed. Anybody that knows anything about snakes know you don't pick them up by the tail. You know, that's dangerous. But Moses obeyed, even though it was illogical. And God turned that into really a scepter of authority that Moses used to essentially deliver, the, you know, all these things happened as a result of Moses using that staff, that common shepherd's staff. You know, he, he was he was ordered to hold it up. You know, you, you remember the story. I mean, we're going through this in, in Exodus, so I won't repeat it, but I mean, over and over again, the staff figures in the parting of the Red Sea and all these different things, the mighty miracles of God from this common shepherd's staff. And um, I wanted to really emphasize this because I do think when we approach God's word and we get ready to take it in our mouth, we should fear. And um, there's a, to me, it's, it's just a, a beautiful passage in Isaiah 66, 2. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord, but this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That's amazing. God really does. He's not a respecter of persons, but this is the one to whom I will look. So, granted, in the sense that you know God isn't a respecter of persons, I think there's a condition here in this, implied in this, that we can um, come before the Lord and tremble at his word and 
God will honor that. He will look, He will see that. He will see that fear and and respect. So you know what happened after Moses went through all of the plagues and and um, God said <coughs> God said to you know the sacrifice will basically kill the lamb and collect its blood in the, in a bowl. Just kind of odd. And they took hyssop, which is another just common, ordinary thing. They, they had to take it in hand. They picked it up, and they dipped it in the bowl, and they sprinkled it on the doorposts and the lentils. What would have happened if they hadn't have put it on the doorpost? I mean, if they'd have left the blood in the bowl. God had provided, but they left, if they had left it in the bowl... The, the promise was conditional. If you do this, I will do that. And so I'm, I'm just pointing out how God can use ordinary means. You know, hyssop is a herb that grows over in the Middle East all over. It's like a weed. It just grows everywhere. And <clears throat> you could just literally go out your back door, pick some, come in, and put it on the doorpost. But the master of the house had to do that. He had to take that action. And so I'm emphasizing this because I, I think that we um, we have this obligation to take God's word and put it in our mouth and say it. And the confession, the um, proclaiming, all of these things really do tie together because it is the breath. And I'm really talking about saying God's word out loud. You know, it's good to read God's word but I'm really talking about taking God's word and saying it out loud toward a given situation. The, the fact is that that ordinary, everyday occurrence of speech is transformed because, well, the, um, I, uh, let me just read some scriptures about the word just real quickly. You don't have to look them up. Psalm 33, 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. Well, Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And if you're cognizant of these things and you speak forth his word by the power of his spirit, it's as if he's saying them. So he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews 1.3. So he upholds the word of his power. He's always doing it. It's an ongoing thing. It's, it's by the power of his spirit. Um, so here's the, here's the point of... Um, for as the rain and the snow came down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The, I think everybody knows that's Isaiah 55.10, but... Um, we know that God's word is accomplished and there's nothing that can stop its purpose from being fulfilled. 
But there's an active role that we can play in this. I think it's important to recognize the, that it's, it's both the saying it, but it's also saying it in the power of the Holy Spirit. This, this is the... Um, this is really the point of what I'm, of what I'm saying here. We're, we're not just reading the word out loud. We're saying the word in the power of the Holy Spirit and directing it to a situation. I'll show you what I'm talking about if, if you bear with me. <clears throat> I don't think it's wrong um, to, to do this. I, I think it's helpful to find a scripture that's meaningful to you and personalize it. And all I mean is you you might change the pronouns so that you're saying, well, here's one you you don't even have to personalize. It's already personalized for you is uh, Psalms 118.17. This this is uh, literally, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Well, that's kind of plain and dry. But let me tell you that without being melodramatic, I can say that there have been days that I proclaimed this for myself, and I believe that's why I'm still here. I have been in such despair at times. I have been in a really dark place many times in my life because of circumstances, because of things that were going on around me and my work and my family, and even in my own, my own mind, you know, the, the devil is right there to attack our minds and drag us down. There's so much negativity in the world. There's so many things wrong with it. And, well, what, what happens when you're, you're just day after day after day, you're putting your heart and soul into seeing change and nothing really happens, and you get discouraged? This passage of Scripture repeating it over and over and over again has kept me really from going bonkers. I mean, literally needing medical attention. And I don't mean that I just calmly and blithely say, I shall not die, but I shall live. I mean, I really dig deep. And I, and I stir up the gift within me, so to speak. And I say to myself and to the powers and principalities and to the universe... I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. I want you all to say this is really simple and quick. I want you all to say it after me. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. That's a powerful proclamation that you just made. That's all I'm talking about. Now, there's a couple of other examples, and this is a great one for any kind of conflict that you're getting ready to face. And, of course, you've got them in work and your family, in the marketplace. I mean, whatever you're doing, you're going to have conflict sometimes that really warrants um, this kind of warfare praying and warfare um, application of God's word. Isaiah 54:17. I have re I have done what was necessary for the uh, pronouns so that I can say this, and, and uh, that's all I've changed. So instead of um, you, it says I. 
you know, God's speaking to his people and he's, you know, using the, the right tense. But I just switched it from so that when I say it out, I'm claiming it for myself. I'm personalizing it. That's the only change I made, but you, you can uh, trust me on that. Isaiah 54:17. No weapon that is fashioned against me shall succeed, and I shall refute every tongue that rises against me in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me declares the Lord. Say it with me. Let's, let's, let's proclaim this together. No weapon that is fashioned against me shall succeed. Say it. No weapon that is fashioned against me shall succeed. And I shall refute every tongue. And I shall refute every tongue that rises against me in judgment. You say that before you go into a heavy meeting or you know, have to deal with some kind of conflict situation. There is power in that proclamation and it will change the situation. And I can testify to this from my own personal experience. It really does make a difference. So I have had, had situations where I just, I, I'm facing things. I don't have the education. I don't have the physical strength. I don't have the, the skills. Sometimes I don't have the will uh, to do what's necessary. And uh, here's one that has really helped me when I've needed strength. Deuteronomy 33 25, my bars shall be iron and bronze, and as my days show, so shall my strength be. I think we can all afford to say this together. My bars shall be iron and bronze. Say it. My bars shall be iron and bronze. And as my days, so shall my strength be. And as my days, so shall my strength be. Let's say it again, because I think y'all are probably, this one might really hit you. Um, where you are, you know, because I think we're all a little bit tired. You know, it just happens. Um, Let's do it again. My bars shall be iron and bronze. And as my days, so shall my strength be. Amen. You're proclaiming the word of God into your life. And there, you know, we, we have these thought habits. They're just ingrained. You can't just say this one time and, and it's, that's that. This is something that is really kind of a, <clears throat> well, you've got to change your thinking. This, this practice will tear down strongholds. And I, I can attest to this. You are literally tearing down vain imaginings that are in your mind that have been embedded in there probably since childhood. And you can overcome negativity, pessimism, doubt, unbelief, all kinds of treacherous things that the enemy has sown into your mind. You literally can change your way of thinking. And you say these things until your brain changes. Your, your, your mind has changed. When you are encountering a situation, I'm not, my, my, my body feels, like, it feels the same as it did last year. But I don't go, well, I'm afraid. Now it's kind of like, well, I'm excited. Let's see what God's going to do now. No weapon formed against me shall succeed. I have I've literally put this into my reaction to that feeling of fear. And I have been a very fearful person all my life. I mean, I just, my body responds and, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't know what to do about it. But God's given me a key here. 
And so I'm hanging on to this, and I want to share. I have, a, have had a little bit of success, and I don't want to be greedy with that. I want to share this with you because it really does work. So no weapon formed against me shall succeed. No weapon formed against me shall succeed. You say that in the power of the Holy Spirit a few times, and it changes your day. It really does. So I've had um, many times that I've needed grace. Um, I need, you know, finances. I need um, just uh, encouragement. You know, it's gotten a bad rap, and I think that it was misused, but... Sometimes we have low self-esteem. You know, we really shouldn't. It's a lie from the devil that's making us feel that way. But it's true. I mean, we just feel terrible, and it's a lie. So, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to me, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, I may abound in every good work. I don't think you could probably cram more, you know, more of a holistic, abounding, allness in one sentence. I mean, it's like, how many times? Five times? And God is able to make all grace abound to me. So I've changed the pronouns. Listen, y'all can say this with me. And God is able to make all grace abound to me. Say that. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, I may abound in every good work. Well, it's okay if you want to say hallelujah. That would be perfectly okay. Um, so here's another one right there, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We say it, and you know it's kind of like one of those... My parents had this little box, you know, shaped like a loaf of bread. And everybody has a memory of these promise boxes, right? And you pull one out, and it was wonderful. You know, if you really took the intent of that and just allowed the Holy Spirit to fill that, you take a promise and personalize it and say it out loud in the power of the Spirit, the devil trembles at the word of God. He trembles out of sheer abject terror. We're trembling out of love. And we are putting the, the word of God out there. And the Holy Spirit is going to take the word of God and do what he wants. That's the real meaning of power. John Piper says power is the ability to do what you want. And that's exactly who God is. He does what he wants. And there's nobody that can stop him. And if you take his word and you, by the power of his spirit, apply it to a situation, there's nothing in the universe that can stop his word from being accomplished. I, I will say this. I, you know, my, my, um, I uh, <clears throat> have this deep burden for all of our children. And... Not just my own, and my children and grandchildren. I want them to walk with the Lord. I want everybody I know to be saved and to know God. Why shouldn't we pray for that? Is there, is there anything wrong with praying for that? That everybody we know would come to know the Lord? There's nothing wrong with that. 
I need something that can channel that desire, something that will, that will make me understand and, and see if, if we do this. I've seen a change in my family. I'll, I'll, I feel like I'm with family now, and I'll tell you this personal thing, and you can, don't be embarrassed for me because I'm not embarrassed. I'm glorifying God in this. I have a daughter that took a left turn and I didn't hear from her for 10 years. And Carla and I began to pray, make these declarations. She called me out of the clear blue recently, since we since we started making this a practice. Ten years. Those closet prayers were good and they were necessary. But when we took this in our hands and this was our rod of authority, and we took authority over the situation she was in, and it was a dark, terrible situation, and God snapped it. And he began the process. Uh, you know, this isn't like she just suddenly ran down the aisle and threw herself down and gave her life to the Lord. But it's a phone call out of ten years. It's a lot. That's progress, folks. I'm sorry. To, you know, that, that's, that's a real thing to me. And it, it, it has happened to others, I can tell you. Others have made similar proclamations for their children and grandchildren, and it's happening. This is real. So, I will say that uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think there are times that we've had, you know, mental or physical illness, and we can say, 1 Peter 2.22, He himself bore my sins in his body on the tree, that I might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds I have been healed. Personalize it and say it to you, to, the, to everything that's around you that is trying to drag you down, trying to convince you that you're sick, trying to convince you that you just need to chuck it all and go run off and be a hermit somewhere. I don't think anybody else in the room has ever felt that way. Maybe I'm the only one. He himself bore my sins. in his body on the tree, that I might die to sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds, I have been healed. And the things that were like, sort of like reverse bungee cords. <laughs> I mean, I would just get up and I would be making some progress and I'd just get pulled right back down into the same old mess. And I... Now I'm, I'm not taking that anymore. I'm not laying down and just letting it happen. No, you don't have the right to say that to me. This is the truth. He himself bore my sins in his body on the tree. That I might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds I've been healed. You can go beyond your own needs and speak God's word over current events 
and for blessing and protection on our freedom. The pagan king Nebuchadnezzar was dealt with by God, and the scripture says, and it just struck me, the scripture said that he had the power of life and death over all flesh, man and beast. One man in history did have that, was given to him by God. And this is what he said after God revealed himself to Nebuchadnezzar. And you know the story. You know, basically drove him mad because he, well, he, he deserved it. <laughs> and God, in his mercy, let him see the truth. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High God and praised and honored him who lives forever. You can say this whenever you're worried about current events or you know, political things or whatever. You can pray, you can speak this to that situation and it will make a difference. You're not asking God to make your football team win, right? We're really not asking for God to make a side win. But listen to this. Pagan man. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? This is the God we serve. This is Yahweh. This is God Almighty. This is who we are speaking in his name as if it were with his voice when we make these proclamations from his word, by the power of his spirit, things will change in your life. And I'm here because of it. I promise you, that's not melodrama. I did um, develop the... Well, you, you may have been here and heard me say this a couple of Sundays ago where I quoted from 1 John and said Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And I read Deuteronomy 33:26. There is none like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to my help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is my dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out the enemy before you and said, destroy. This is something that I firmly believe God has given to us. To, to, we are keenly aware of the work of the devil, the, the works of the devil in the lives of our family, the, our children, grandchildren, people in the workplace, in our lives people that we've run into, we are keenly aware that a lot of times what we're dealing with is they don't even want to be that way, but they're, they're caught up in the works of the devil. And I believe that we can, as part of our praying for those situations, say, the eternal God is my dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms and he thrust out the enemy before me and said, destroy. 
and the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the, the very purpose that he came with, for was to destroy the works of the devil. And we have this wonderful privilege to participate in the application of his victory on the earth. You know that the devil has been defeated. And we are administering that defeat. When we proclaim in the name of Jesus his word to situations, we are administering to the powers and principalities that are pulling people down. We are administering defeat to those powers and principalities. And this is a wonderful privilege that we have. And if you are in a situation, not everybody is, and so I'm, I'm saying that if you are in a situation where you can um, say things from the Scripture together with, with a prayer partner or a spouse, it is so powerful. If two of you would, would agree, and that word is, that, that Greek word, agree, if two of you would agree is the same word that we get the word symphony from. That is agreement. It's a symphony of agreement. If we agree, we can take God's word and apply it to situations and it will change things. So, one of the great things about um, having a lay preacher is that the messages are really short. So, I hope you are not just terribly, terribly disappointed. I do have, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes I could keep going, but I'm not going to because I'm really finished. But I would like to invite you to think about this. And I I believe I've given you enough examples to to be able to do this on your own. This is something that you can... there, There are just so many things that you can... You know, even in your regular reading, you'll run across something that goes, that's going to go in my proclamations book. And you can retool that, change the pronouns if you want to. That just helps me. I, I mean, some people, really, it bothers them. It's not an exact quote. That's okay. The point is that it's the Word of God in your mouth. You're confessing. You're saying the same as God. That is our confession. And this is a real thing that has real results in our lives. And I hope you're encouraged by it. God bless you.